There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you do for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. Can I tell you about my favorite new thing at home? It's my Sonos Beam. Sonos Beam is the smart, compact sound bar for my TV and the newest addition to my home sound system. You know, I've gotten into podcasts so much recently, and now I can listen to podcasts in any room of the house, and I can listen to them in brilliant sound. Sonos supports over 100 streaming services, so it's not just podcasts. It's music. It shows. And I can even use AirPlay to enjoy music and my favorite shows from my iPhone or iPad. Not only does it have all the streaming I need, but wait until you listen. The sound is brilliant. There's no crazy wiring. Beam connects to my TV with just one cord. And it syncs up with my remote. And here was something I wasn't expecting. Amazon Alexa is built in. So you can say, Alexa, play the Peter King podcast, and Alexa will do the job for you. I get all the benefits of having Alexa. Now I even have hands-free control of my music. I can even use my voice to turn the TV on or off and adjust the volume. That's pretty cool. So don't wait. Get your Sonos today. You can create the ultimate entertainment center today with your Beam. Sonos Beam. Go online to get yours today. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast. A bit of a special edition this week. I've got an extended conversation with Super Bowl 53 MVP Julian Edelman, which I did just six days after he won the MVP in his home in West Hollywood, California. And we'll get to that in just a couple of minutes. But there's quite a bit happening in the NFL here a week or so after uh, the Super Bowl. And just let me give you Cliff's Notes opinions on the three big things that have happened uh, in week two after the Super Bowl. Number one, Kyler Murray, the Oklahoma quarterback uh, and Heisman Trophy winner, says he will uh, devote all his attention to getting ready for the NFL draft And he is giving up for now uh, a lucrative opportunity to play and play quickly for the Oakland Athletics. Just two thoughts. One is absolutely unequivocally uh, at that age, a kid should do exactly what he wants to do. The worst thing, in my opinion, was if he went to baseball out of some either monetary reason because he didn't want to give up this $4 million-plus signing bonus, uh, which obviously he's going to get more of in the NFL, uh, or that he gave them his word that you know he would play baseball. I think at that age, things change. Opinions change. The last thing you'd want, if you remember the Oakland A's, is to get him into camp and have him there in body but not totally in mind. So I think it's a good thing. And one other thing about Kyler Murray Obviously, he's small. He's, uh, from what everybody has told me, about five foot nine and a half and about 190 to 195 pounds. He absolutely is going to have to get bigger. But there is a lot of excitement, a lot of enthusiasm in the NFL in this era of shorter quarterbacks playing very, very well. Um, I believe absolutely 
uh, barring you know some bad workouts or bad interviews, that he will be a top 10 pick in late April uh, when the NFL holds its 2019 draft. Number two, Antonio Brown has told the Pittsburgh Steelers evidently uh, at least once that he wants to be traded. And I understand why everybody now is jumping to the conclusion that's it for Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh. You know, time is on the Pittsburgh Steelers' side. They don't have to make a decision until a month from this week, until four weeks from this week, about what to do with Antonio Brown and his contract. So I believe that uh, the Steelers are going to take a little bit of time. It's probably more likely than not that they will end up trading him, but I think they're going to take their time. uh, And I don't think that they have come to the conclusion in Pittsburgh that absolutely categorically they're going to trade him. I think one of the problems here is the fact that Antonio Brown, other than the fact he's going to be 31 years old in July, that just recently... He's facing allegations of domestic violence uh, down in Florida. And just this week, he was convicted of reckless driving, driving his automobile in a Pittsburgh suburb at 100 miles an hour. So this is not an open and shut, easy decision. Hey, let's trade for the guy who's gone six straight years with over 100 catches, first guy in in NFL history to do that. This is a difficult, difficult question. Uh, for any team. And I think the Steelers, they're certainly going to want a first-round draft pick in return, at least. And uh, this is a situation that bears watching, but I don't believe that the Steelers have decided with finality that they're going to trade Antonio Brown. And third, the Cleveland Browns have signed Kareem Hunt. Now, Kareem Hunt, as you all know, in midseason last year, was discovered after a video surfaced from TMZ Sports of battery on a woman in a hotel in Cleveland in the offseason, the offseason before 2018, um, of hitting this woman and and kicking her as well. So uh, he was cut by the Kansas City Chiefs and has been on the street. So the Browns sign him. It's going to be a one-year you know, he's not going to be able to get a jaywalking ticket in Cleveland. If he does, uh, the Browns are going to be rid of him. This is a, this is very much of a, you got to stay on the straight and narrow to keep this job. Who knows how long he'll be suspended for. My guess is six weeks to start the season. Uh, he is undergoing counseling and treatment right now, not only uh, for this, but also for alcohol, which everyone... Uh, you know, that was the worst kept secret in Kansas City that some of his incidents had been alcohol related. So my only question after this is, and I firmly believe that America is the land of second chances and that Kareem Hunt should get a second chance. That's a second chance singular. But my only question after all this is that have we now decided, I should say, has the NFL now decided with certainty that it is tolerable to have a guy on your team with a videotape uh, evidence of him hitting a defenseless woman. That is okay to give him a second chance, but you will not give Colin Kaepernick a second chance for kneeling during the national anthem and for starting something in the NFL that Every team is afraid to take a chance on on Kaepernick because of. They're afraid it would inflame the conservatives in their fan base. Um, And I think it is incredibly sad that NFL teams, relatively speaking, are better with having a person who has hit a woman, kicked a woman, on the roster, and they they would rather have that than a guy who kneeled during the national anthem and has talked about the injustice for African Americans in this society. That is beyond sad, if you ask me. Now, my conversation with Julian Edelman, the Super Bowl 53 MVP. We did it on the second floor of his home 
just off Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. Very L.A. type of house, full of windows. And I caught up with Edelman just as he finished getting his hair cut in his home uh, for the Grammys. He was at the Grammys on Sunday to be a presenter with Devin McCourty. So here's part one of my conversation with Julian Edelman. Back on the Peter King Podcast, really happy to be joined by Super Bowl MVP uh, Julian Edelman. Uh, we are in Los Angeles at uh, Julian's home. He was good enough to have me come in. We're taping this on a Saturday late morning, and uh, it's six days after the Super Bowl. And Julian, as I told you, I always like to try to make sure that that I get the person who... I think determined what happened and what won in the Super Bowl. And I just wonder right now, before we start, I really am curious. You got eight first downs in the Super Bowl. You were the guy who Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady went to consistently on third down, which has sort of been your thing over time. You know, Josh McDaniels at all these pre-Super Bowl things, he talks about how crucial you are on third down so often with this team. We're six days removed from it. A, can you believe you caught 10 passes in the Super Bowl? And B, can you believe that you're the MVP of the Super Bowl? Well, it's good to see you, Pete. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Julian. Um, Honored to be on the show. Um, A... I think I have 10 catches. Um, going into the week um, with the game plan and how they play defense and, and going against Wade Phillips a few times, um, if we were going to execute uh, usually against those those defenses when we play against him, the running back or you know, guys in my position have a lot of catches. So there's you, know, you, you go in thinking that there's a possibility you could have a game. Um, you know, with the solid week of practice, two weeks of practice that we had, I felt great. Uh, the confidence was high. So, um, thinking on it right now, you know, I wasn't surprised that I was going to get in that I had 10, uh, MVP, uh, you know, you, you didn't really think about that. Didn't really think that that was going to come to fruition, uh, or come true or happen. Honestly, uh, you know, playing that game, uh, Playing in those games, there's there's so so much you put into those games, literally um, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Um, the sacrifices you put in, just going out and winning the game is, is all you really care about. <laughs> uh, and and every, every everyone I've been in has seemed to come to the last play, and and the one that was a grinder that we won by the most points, still wasn't an easy game, or you, you know you're still exhausted after the game so the MVP was awesome that that's great I'm just so happy and proud of this team um, to go out and, and win this game uh, in fashion how we won it was was even the cherry on the top it was a grind it was a 60 minute game um, you know just uh, it just showed the perseverance of this of this team uh, which you know that that's that's what I'm ha- I'm happy about the MVP I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's going to be something you get to live with your whole life and you'll appreciate, I guess, more down the road. Um, that's, that's more for probably my family. Um, you know, that's something they can uh, be proud of because, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at without them. Um, Didn't you think one of the coolest things, I don't know if you've even seen it yet, but if you've seen the clip of you and Matthew Slater on the field after the game, where you told him that you won the MVP and he was so excited and so happy for you. It was just a great example of sort of the team thing that you guys have built there. Well, without a doubt. Um, and, and with Matt Slater, I mean, he's legitimately not a, not a friend, not, not a best friend. He's a brother. Um, you know, we, we lived together for four years, me and Matt and, you know, he's like the reverend, I'm a Jew, you know, like we're, we're like polar opposites of a lot of things. And everyone always thought it was a funny dynamic that we lived together. But, uh, you know, we've shared some special moments just through our career. 
you know, guys being on the fence, you know, early in the career, just grinding away, trying to create a role. And he's been there not only to, to, to support me, but and not even trying to support me, but he was just there. You know, there's a lot of ups and downs in life. And, and, and Slade has always been one guy that, that you can always just count on for unbelievable advice, um, the way his parents brought him up and, and the kind of family he came from. I mean, he's just someone that you want to surround yourself with because uh, you know it's right. Um, so that moment that we had, it, that was like a family member, uh, you know, through injuries, uh, you know, through the suspension, through everything, you know, Slate Slate has always been someone who has, um, you know, had my back. So um, this is going to be a little bit of, I'd say it's probably going to be about half your life story because I find it fascinating that a guy who 10 years ago today was trying to become, trying to morph from an option quarterback in the Mid-American Conference to figuring out some role that you could have to make the National Football League. So we'll get to that. And then we're going to talk a lot about the game. But I want to start by just asking, you know that sort of the elephant in the room uh, in the wake of this game is that I think everybody wonders, what does it feel like now to have been suspended for the first four games of this season, you know, to a PED suspension. What was that like for you uh, during those four weeks? And uh, what what do you feel about it now? And, and obviously, a lot of people have very strong feelings about that. Yeah. Um, you know, after going through this whole year this year, these last 24 months of my life have been a roller coaster. And, you know, you go out and you, you tear an ACL – yeah, and then all of a sudden you have you know a suspension that you're you're facing, um, and a lot of things go down, and then you you end up in a a huge low of your life uh, because football is life. That's what people don't understand with me. You know this this whole thing. Um, this is. This is what I am. This is what I was put here to do. This is what I sacrifice all my time, my friends, my family, everything like that um, is is on football. And then when you're told you can't play football for, you know, four weeks because of something that happened that, you know, you really, really can't get into because you don't know what happened, this, there, and the other, um, it's tough. And you learn a lot from that, uh, you know. So when that happened, you know, I had, I had a strong corner behind me. Uh, you know, my, my, my father and I um, kind of just sat back and said, all right, we have a problem here. What's this problem? All right, let's make sure this never happens again. Let's, let's, let's own up to it. Let's take your, your, uh, your penalty like a man. Um, regardless of the circumstances, um, it's a privilege to play in this league. It's not, you know, it's not like it's not a right. And you respect everyone, and you you want to stay inside the boundaries of what this game lies on. And um, you know, that's from from this whole thing. I've learned, you know, that you know, you, you just got to stay in your routine. Um, and you just got to work your way out of it. Looking back on it um, from now, and I really haven't really thought about it just because the whirlwind of things you've been doing, um, you know, it, it proves that, you know, even at a low, when you sit and you, you, you feel that everything's against you, this, that, and the other, to be able to go out and mentally compartmentalize everything and, and be able to perform and go out and, and really ignore the noise of what people are saying because, you know, n n n people don't know what happened. And I, I can't sit here and go, due to league rules, say what happened. Do you feel like it at all was unjust? Uh, I'm, I'm not going down that road. Yeah. I don't want to 
even go down that road. But, you know, I, I served what I had to serve, and I, I accept that. And I know a lot of people are disappointed in me for it, and I apologize, and it'll never happen again. And Do you feel in any way that it puts a tinge or puts a negative aspect on what you did this year? Uh, people can feel that way. They're going to feel that way. Uh, you know, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to practice what I preach and worry what I have on my plate at the time and kind of just, you know, live life. I mean, everyone goes down a road that they're not supposed to go down. And you can do two things from it. You can keep going down that road and go to a dark place, or you can turn and go up, up the hill and go to the top and try to go to the top. And I've never gone the easy road in my life. This is, you know, something that unfortunately happened. But, you know, I feel with, with, with the support that I had from, you know, my family, people in my close circle, I feel, you know, it, it was something that made me stronger as, as mentally. You know what I mean? It, it was one of those things where, you know, it was, it was, it, it was a dark time. You know, you, you're sitting four weeks watching your team play after – you know, a whole Where year. were you in that period of time? I was in Boston. Yeah. And I was I was How tough was it too for you to watch those games? It was tough, but I also had I was coming back from an ACL. Right. So there's also, you know, You had a lot of work to do anyway. You had a lot of work to do, but you know, I had a, the training camp, which was an awesome confidence builder. Um and going into that, you know, you you're sitting there and it's live bullets when you come back, so you're thinking about that. I'm not thinking about anything other than what do I have to do to get myself prepared for a National Football League year? People don't realize, I mean, the first four, six weeks are cute, and then you get into a grind, and then there's you get dinged up, you get an ankle here, you get a foot there, you know, stuff that people don't really know about. And you got to be able to go out and perform at a high level all, every week because every game is important. This isn't, you know, other sports where you can slide three games, four games. You know, you lose one game, it's going to be very crucial to your season. So you have to be able to perform at a high level for three hours once a week. So you're doing everything to focus your mind on that. And uh, that's kind of where my mind was. I, I was in a huge routine. I, I had my uh, my – there's my guy out of Edge, Jim over in Foxborough, Brian McDonough, who was a huge, huge help uh, for me because he would sit up. I had a quarterback every day um, that would throw me routes. We'd do field work. You know, we'd go to Harvard. We'd go to BC. Uh, thank you to all those people that uh, really let me in, and, and they were really supportive. And then I would go to the Celtics facility and – before all this, I would get my body worked out by their, their head trainer or one of their head trainers, um, Brian Dolan. Uh, There's an interesting relationship between your team and Brad Stevens, right? I mean, a lot of, like, Josh McDaniels knows him. Bill Belichick knows him, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Coach Stevens, awesome guy. And, um, you know, I want to thank him personally, which I have, uh, for letting me in as well. Because it was good to be around them, to have that team feel, a locker room, the guys. Uh, so were, were they in training camp at that time? They were. They okay. were in training camp. So they'd be in there. I'd get in earlier before they'd get there, so I wouldn't Yeah, you're, you're, an, you're an early bird anyway, aren't you? Uh, you're early a, bird. You're a 5 o'clock guy. I'm, I'm a, you know, I like to get up <laughs> early and, and get my work in and uh, really get tuned in and, and stay in routine. So that's what I did for those four weeks. I'd stay in routine. I'd get worked on at the Celtics. I'd call Brian, say, where are we going to a field? We'd go to, a, you know, Boston College. We'd go to Harvard a bunch, do speed work, run routes, go back, lift weights, just to tr try to keep my my physical training up and my, my physical therapy up for my knee. So, you know, I had Ninkovich out there hitting me just so I could, you know, you, you know when you get hit, you don't you got to get used to it sometimes. So leaning on a guy, getting tired, blocking, doing 10-play drives, throw, 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 block, 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 throw. You know what I mean? Just kind of trying to simulate drives. So we were doing all that, which was, uh, which was awesome because it, it helped me keep my mind out of the gutter. And 
I mean, it's it's easy to go there that route, especially nowadays with with all these social media and this noise that you can. If you want to find noise, you can find noise. But uh, if you want to focus on that, you focus on that. But if you want to focus on getting things done, uh, you know, you could you can choose to not let things bother you like that and um, go down a, and and just kind of stay in a groove and a, and a routine and work on that and then. That's what I tried to do. I heard that your first practice back, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you guys had a Thursday night game in your first practice back. So you guys didn't have pads on or you didn't – it wasn't a serious hard practice week because you got to get ready for Thursday. But that you came out that first day and practiced like it was the last practice of your life. What do you remember about that day? (laughs) It was like a walkthrough. Um, you know, it's one of those tough... A walkthrough tough... for 52 people, but not for you. <laughs> yeah, I brought my stuff up, and so I could get some extra work. You know, try to get a little timing in with, with Tom. Um, just because, I mean, we haven't seen each other in a month. And, you know, that you get excited. You know, <laughs> I haven't seen the fellows in, in a while. And uh you, you get out and you want to show everyone you've been working you you know you want to you that's how you gain confidence through practice and you got to show people what you what you've been doing and you know that's kind of what I wanted to do may have uh probably practiced a little too hard that day uh but um it it was it was awesome to be back and um see the fellows and the coaches and and the staff and uh yeah I was just excited to be back Did you ever have any worry that your knee wouldn't be ready and what was it like to come back early this year did you ever have any doubt about your knee uh i mean of course psychologically as an athlete if if they you know if someone tells you they never had a doubt it's i mean i can't speak for other people but for me at least it's 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 tough you you do have a little doubt because you're 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 starting from ground zero I mean, yeah, and you know how physical and, and demanding and taxing this game is. I mean, being able to go out and run routes on air—that's that's fun. That's cute. But when you have, you know, a, a 240-pound linebacker hitting you after you catch a ball, twisting, you can't simulate those types of things. And so you try to as best as possible with training camp, which that's why that was a huge thing for me and being able to play and. You know the preseason games. Um, you know, I, I, I that that was a big confidence builder. But when you get in that regular season, it's faster. You know, it's different. And so, you know, I, I went into the game pretty confident. But you still have that in the back of your mind. Like, are we here until you know? Then first hit, first play of the game, he hits me. We get a you know a little gain, and I got hit. And you know, after that, it was just all right. Now back on. Let's just what do we got going? What do we got going? that's what it was going I want to go way back in time now and I want to just sort of ask you 10 years ago this month okay you were coming off your last year at Kent State in the Mid-American Conference you're an option quarterback by the way I don't know if you saw it but some of that video of you against Sean McVay in the game where you guys played Miami was was hilarious. That that was funny, and everyone always <laughs> thinks it was just that one year. We played in '06, yeah, and we won. So we're one. We were we were we were one and one going in that. We were one and one going in that. Everyone no, keeps but you up. got you got, you got you got a little fondness for McVeigh because he's a Matt guy. Oh, I love I I I have nothing but respect for that guy. I mean, I I'm I'm a supporter. I'm a huge fan of him because I know, you know, where he came from. We 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 Matt guys stick together and uh, well. Plus, you think about it. He's an option quarterback out of high school in Georgia. Yeah, he wins the Georgia Player of the Year. He beats out Calvin Johnson, and nobody wants him to play quarterback. So he's got to go to Miami of Ohio yeah. and be sort of kind of a, a walk-on guy over time there. And so, in a lot of ways, he had kind of the same road that you had, without a doubt. Um, and that's why that respect level for a guy that comes from that conference is like that. Um, for the sheer fact of, you know, a lot of overseen talent goes and plays there. Uh, a lot of guys that go the long road, a lot of underdogs. And um, you can say that. You can put him in that category. The guy's 32 years old and he brought a team to the Super Bowl. Uh, 
you know that that that's, that's ridiculous. Pretty, that's outstanding. It's <laughs> just I'm unbelievable. 32 and a lot. We're the same age. I yeah. mean, to be able to go out and hold a meeting uh, with a bunch of coaches, I I'm, I've been around. I've seen <laughs> the league now, and to be able to do what he does, I mean, it's mind blowing. And and he's got to be a special person for that. And you know, my my hat is tipped to him all day, every day, because uh, you know we're Mac guys, and and the respect level for that is just out the roof. Support for the Peter King Podcast comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website. You choose a template you love and customize it by adding your own text, images, and videos. With hundreds of intuitive design features, you can tell your story exactly the way you want. And you want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog. You can also start an online store, and easily you can create an event. You share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website that you want. You can even create a beautiful website while listening to this podcast. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their website. So create yours today. Get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com slash Peter King to get 10% off. Do it today. Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fantango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you do for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. And now, the second half of my conversation with Super Bowl MVP, Julian Edelman. So tell me what you were thinking 10 years ago today. I mean, are you thinking that the NFL is a pipe dream, a hope, a prayer, a real chance? What are you thinking? And after you finish at Kent State, what do you, if you have a chance, what do you think you're going to do in the NFL? Yeah. Well, I, I remember that stuff uh, like it was yesterday. Um, you know, I remember finishing up my, my last game, actually, against Buffalo. And uh, we won. This would have been the 2008 season. 2008 season. Last game in Buffalo. They were the MAC champs. We ended with a, a great road win. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a great game. And I remember after that, uh, you know, my coach, uh, he talked to me and he said, oh, well, British Columbia, you know, they wanted to, they want to buy your negotiation rights. Um, there's a bunch of guys here from the, the Can- Canadian League and they want to see if you can play quarterback. And so, you know, before then I was looking at firehouses in Cincinnati <laughs> with, uh, with an old teammate of mine. Uh, and uh, what, do, what do you mean? What would you have done? Would have been a fire. I don't know. I had, to, I had to find something. So you know, firehouse, a bunch of guys in the house, camaraderie. I don't know. Um, I, w- I was just 
opening options just in case, you know, something didn't work or anything like that. Um, you know, and that's when you started, you know, we, you heard the hype. He's a Mac quarterback. He played in the Mac. What's he going to play in the league, this, that? Uh, can he play? Is he tall enough? You know, so you, you hear that and you're like, oh, well, I might as well have some backup if this doesn't happen. But um, I sat there. I hired my representation, uh, Ian Doom Sports, went on a couple – uh, that's same as Tom Brady. Same as Tom's. Yeah. And they they just so happened to, to find me because of my coach. Uh, they, they were representing him, and they were looking at a tackle. And uh, a, one of our tackles was a projected guy to go. <laughs> and um, he said, uh, who's this, 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 this quarterback? No one, you know, no one could really tackle him. And he wanted to see my film. He flew me out, and then – I ended up hiring these guys, and they, you know, Don sat me down and said, you know, it's going to be hard for an NFL team to to cut you. I feel, uh, you know, you, you just you you play like, you know, no one can touch you. This that, and you know, I think you can play in the league. And once I heard that from him, um, you know, a legitimate guy, Tom Brady's agent. Tom Brady's agent. <laughs> yeah, that's who he was. Um, you know, said, forget the CFL. I, 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 I sat down. Sh- I sat down with my dad, and I told my dad CFL offered a contract, and he said, "Would well, you have gone?" I w- I was thinking about it, but you know, I, I CFL would be fun for you. The field's big. Would have been fun. It would have yeah. been fun. But then you know, you could have been Flutie. Hey, I loved Flutie. I had a seven Chargers jersey jersey when I was <laughs> uh, you know in high school because of that, um, but. You know, I ultimately came down to a gut decision where, you know, I, I I didn't grow up as a kid. I told my dad, I don't, my dad wanted me to go play quarterback because, you know, what are the chances I could, I didn't play any other position than quarterback since Pop Warner. Right. Um, You know, these guys are, they got light years ahead of you. You know, they got four years of college, fundamentals, this, that. And I, I just sat there. I said, I didn't grow up wanting to play in the CFL, dad. You know, I grew up wanting to play in the NFL. And they said they were going to keep the contract there let me go play. So I said, all right, I'm out. <laughs> um, and um, So right about now would have been the time where the NFL would start looking under all the rocks for yeah. all these for, – for everybody, all seven rounds of the draft. What was the process like for you in 2009 yeah. heading into the draft? It, it, was, it was a tricky year because – I had these big numbers running and throwing in college, and this was the year after the big wildcat gimmick. Was oh there. yeah, yeah. So I had a lot of red flag, or I had a lot of flags on me where they said, "Hey, you know, this could be something cute, where we could have this guy who could potentially throw and run." And so a lot of teams were coming out to to see if I could do that. And right about now is when you you train, you have your pro day. Right now, I'm just training. Uh, and during this training process, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to this place, trying to learn how to do the 5-10-5. You know, I was a quarterback. I didn't lift weights. And, you know, I, if you know what a quarterback does in college, I mean, half the time you're trying to hit the goal post during special teams period, you know, all these guys are running stuff. I, I, I was a full quarterback that just knew how to run. Yeah. And so then you get into this and you're starting to learn – you know, how to lift weights and how to do all these drills for the five ten five because that's such a huge part of this now day scouting report. Uh, you know, I go to this facility over in Euclid, Ohio. It's, it's like a for those who don't know the five ten five, explain it. Five ten five is when you start, there's 10 yards. You start in the middle. You run five yards to your right, go completely 10 yards to your left, touch the line, and then you run five yards through the, the pass line. Um, so, you know, I was always, a, you know, I was always a very pretty quick guy. And, uh, I, when I started competing against other guys at the place and I was beating everyone, that's kind of when I was like, oh, well, I could play like this. Cause if I'm as fast as these guys, I know they can't tackle me. You know what I mean? So then that's when that started coming, that confidence started coming. And then two weeks into training, I meet up and Charlie Fry was there. 
And Charlie Fry at the time. He at the time, he's the quarterback of the Browns, right? He was the Browns, but at, at the time, I think he was going to the Raiders. He was at the Raiders. He just got put to the Raiders. And um, he goes over there. And uh, so by then, he, he sees me and he, you know, he, I, I always saw him eyeing me. And I was just in awe. It was, you know, we had a, a starting quarterback from the NFL working out at this, like, literally rocky gym in Euclid, Ohio, snow, back railroad tracks. I mean, this place was, <laughs> I loved it because yeah. it was like a grind. It's you. Yeah, I loved it. It reminded me of Rocky Four in Russia. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, Charlie Fry was there. He eyes me, and I've been eyeing him because, you know, I just wanted to see if you talk to me or anything, give me any advice. One day he puts his arm around me, and he says, hey, why don't you come work out with me? And uh, I was like, well, I'm there. Where do you want to throw? And he goes, we're going to go to Akron. So every day from then on out, four, four days a week, I would, I would go to Euclid. We'd work out, and then Charlie would throw to me at Akron Indoor Facility. And he started teaching me little things like, you know, rolled outs and squared outs and, you know, depths on this, depths on that. And, and being a quarterback, I always knew – little things because I, you wanted to protect throws, flat downhill and in cut, out cut, don't drift. But he's teaching me steps, and he'd have his, you know, a couple buddies of his that played in the league, receiver uh, out there, and they'd, they'd kind of coach me up here and there, and I'd just watch them do it and, and go out and do it. And, uh, you know, that, that that's when I started getting confidence that I could play because, I mean, we would throw 50, 55 routes every day and I would sit and, I mean, I would go all out on these workouts. This was, you know, life or death to me at this point. You know, once I got in that mode, um, it was like three, three months of just, you know, insane discipline. I mean, I would cook my and own. And were you, were you working out for teams? Well, until the pro day, you, do, you have the pro day. And then after that. Was it the Kent State pro day? Kent State pro day. Yeah. Who had, how many teams came? There was a bunch. Um, there was the 49ers, the Packers. Patriots there? Patri- uh, no, Patriots were not there. Uh, Steelers, uh, the Niners. Um, and, but they were all there to see our, our left tackle. We had a big left tackle that was supposed to be a sleeper in there. And um, I ended up lighting up the, 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 the drills, the cone drills and all this stuff. And... Then I started talking to these guys, and once they see I could run routes, because I was working with Charlie, and he kind of knew the basis of what they would, they would test you on. So yeah. he would always we – we would go into these things prepared, and yeah. he threw at my pro day. So I had Charlie Fry thrown to me at my pro day, which we already had something kind of uh, choreographed out there. And that's how much this time this guy gave me. And, uh, you know, we would go out and, and do this. Charlie and, Fry worked on a little choreographed – thing for your pro day pretty much that's really pretty cool it is and because i mean that's a that's a big thing to go and have you know go 40 for 40 on catches this that and and because he knew what they would test they would test the comeback the in the out the return all these things then they and so we'd go in there and we'd nail them and then after that i started getting uh workouts and so you know, the Steelers wanted to see me, you know, backpedal. They want to see if I could play safety. They also got me as a, uh, you know, receiver. Cleveland came in and they, they test me. Um, you know, and then the Patriots came and they sent Ivan Fears out. And Ivan Fears is our running backs coach. Right. And they wanted to see if I could play third down running back. And so I'm, I, he put me on the chalkboard over here for scam protection and all these 70 protections nowadays are for, in our language, to see if I could break it down. And at Ken, I mean, you knew like two things, two or three things. I wasn't, you know, over here directing the protection uh, like like they do in the league yeah. by any means. So I'm over here trying to make things up, sounding like an idiot and like, oh, my God, I don't know. He's, I'm up there for an hour, and I'm like, oh, the Patriots definitely don't want me. But then he saw how I could run routes and how I could stop and start. And so then he goes back, and after that I'm like, oh, well, they don't want me. Then a week later, they send out Scotty O'Brien, their special teams, special teams, special coach, teams yeah. coordinator. And Scotty wanted to see if I could catch punts and kickoffs. Had you ever done that? I caught – so at the end of the year, Doug Martin, my head coach, uh, you know, we were kind of losing at Kent, and, and he, 
he put me back there uh, to, to catch punts just to kind of showcase me for like the last two games, which is awesome. I had one return, which was nothing. I had no clue what I was doing. I couldn't read a punt. I couldn't. I was just out there, and uh, which was awesome. But other than that, I haven't done it since, you know, Pop Warner. And, uh, you know, he came out and, and worked me out. And, you know, we had an awesome conversation, and, I, you know, we kind of clicked. But, you know, after that, that process, you know, a bunch of other teams came and worked me out. You get visited. So then you take a visit to the organization. And I went to Chicago with Jerry Angelo, and, you know, he said I wasn't, you know, I, you know, we're probably not going to draft you. We'll probably, uh, you know, pick you up as a free agent. I mean, he, he straight up at the table said, you know, let's be honest, you're a quarterback that played in a uh, a weak division that runs. You know, what are we going to do with you? And so after that, I didn't want to go to Chicago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then Miami brought me in and that that was intriguing to me to see Miami for the first time, go to South Florida, see the heat and, and the facilities and Miami Dolphins and, and the they had the wildcat going. So I was over here like big eyed, bushy tailed over that. You figure you could be Ronnie Brown. I could be Ronnie yeah. Brown. Yeah. And go there and thought it was awesome and then come back and then I did a regional thing a regional like camp for the Niners and then met with them a bunch and uh did that and then when did you when did you discover that Belichick had some interest uh the day so after that whole process the Patriots never brought me in wow so they worked me out twice but they didn't bring me in to and they uh, didn't call you at all before the draft no so what are you thinking on day three of the draft it was day it, two then. Oh, it was day two day then? Day two. All right, two. so it's the, it's the seventh round. Yeah. And what are you thinking at that time the draft is going so on? So the sixth round comes, and, and all of a sudden a bunch of, uh, you know, teams start calling, you know, hey, we're, we're not going to draft you, but we'll give you 20 grand to come, you know, be on a, a priority free agent. And we had a bunch. We had probably four or five teams come and ask that. And, you know, Don and I sat down, and he, he said, you know, I think – the best fit for you would be, you know, the Packers, you know, so if, 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 you know, if we don't get drafted, you know, we'll go, we'll go to the Packers because, you know, we felt that that would be the best role for me. And, um, he, and then he also says right before he hangs up, you know, New England did trade in the seventh, uh, for another seventh rounder. I wouldn't be surprised, but you know, I don't know, babe, I don't know. And so it, you know, it goes through and... Where were you at the time? I was at my house and I had, you in know... California in California? In yeah. Nor- California, Northern California. Right. Um, in the Bay Area. And I had some friends over um, just in case. And all of a sudden I got a, a, a 508 call and um, I believe it was Bears who... Uh, Bears and Jerry yeah, and Bill's assistant. Bill's assistant, uh, you know... P- calls and says hey julian we're uh, i'm with bears with new england and we're gonna we're gonna draft you here's coach belichick and this is the first time we heard and i'm sitting here (laughs) it's the first time you've talked to bill belichick in your life yeah and (laughs) i'm sitting here like i don't know what to do um just because what do you say he goes uh hey julian and i go uh hey coach belichick how you doing he goes Hey, well, um, you know, you're you're a hell of a football player. We don't know what you're going to play, but I will see you rookie camp. And then I was like, "All right, coach, I'll see you." And here's Nancy from travel details. <laughs> and that was it. And uh after that, you know, then the whole whirlwind of all your friends and family there um hits you, but then you're like a 7th round draft pick. Like what what are the chances you make the team? So then you're auto, you know, you're automatically starting to think about that. So that, that was that was my draft experience and like my that to this day ten years ago that that's what I was going through. What was your uh, first experience with Tom Brady like back in two thousand nine? My first experience, uh, you know, the rookies come in earlier. Back then, they would come in early and have a rookie camp, and then they would go back. And uh, I remember Tom walked in, and uh, I had my big old four inch binder. And, uh, you know, we were going and he was walking through the doorway and all of a sudden uh, I look up and he walks through 
and he goes, hey, I'm Tom. And I like almost dropped my book. And I'm like, holy smokes, it's Tom Brady. You know, I'm a Bay Area kid. I was a big fan. And he goes, hey, Julian, I'm Tom. He knew my name too. And he had a, like his old little grin on that he has. And uh, like I dropped my book. I'm like, oh, hey, hey, Tom. And, you know, you're scrambling to meetings and stuff. You're as a rookie. You're, you're, you're in a new environment. You're about to – you're trying to study calculus uh, with with basic math knowledge. Like that that's what you're going through. And then Tom Brady walks in the door. And so it, it was it was funny, but, you know, it was a very welcoming uh, – you know, hello. So not only do you get to the NFL to play a strange position that you've just started playing recently, now you've got a guy throwing to you who's won three Super Bowls and who's one of the best quarterbacks ever. And I'm wondering, what was that like for you that first year? That first year was tough. I mean, it wasn't just Tom. I mean, we had Randy Moss in the room. We had uh, Wes Welker, uh you know, we had Joey Galloway. We had Sam Akins, who was a special teams guru. Uh, also, you know, really good receiver. Uh, they traded for a guy, Greg Lewis. Um, and so, you know, you're sitting here in this room with nine other guys you know, playing the numbers game. Like, well, well how many do they keep? <laughs> <laughs> Hope they keep nine. <laughs> Uh, you're sitting there doing that. So like it, you automatically get kicked into a mode of, you know, well, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta sit here and study. I gotta learn how to do this, watch these guys. And you get into like uh, survival mode and, you know, it was, it was just a, a, a crazy year where you're not used to playing that long. You're not used to the speed of the game. You're not used to a lot of things, but you have to. Because if you don't, they're going to replace you. <laughs> so um, it, there's it, no time for you to basically say, "Hey, man, there's too many guys here," or "This is too big for me." If you do that, you're 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 out. If you do that, you're you're replaced. Um, it's plain and simple. So um, I just remember that year being a grind. It was uh, you know I broke my arm, came back. Uh, you know, West got hurt. You know, I had to fill in some shoes for when he was out. And um, I just remember, you know, it, it was just a stressful year, you know. And, and But don't you think that part of why the Patriots are good and have been good and will probably continue to be good is that part of the reason why they drafted you is because you have your work ethic, sort of your ethos. There's a bunch of guys there over the years like that. Obviously Brady, but Matthew Slater, you, Welker was like that. You know, uh, your offensive lineman, David Andrews is, is kind of like that. You got so many high towers like that. The McCordys are like that. I mean, it almost takes a little bit when you scout and when you get players for the Patriots, they better have that other thing or else they're not going to be there that long. That's the way I look at it. Do you, do you agree with that? I, I, I do agree with it. Um, I think uh, it takes a lot. You know, it, it, you can't just be – I think they grade people differently, honestly. Um, you know, the, they don't want distractions. They want guys that are versatile. They want mentally tough football players. And uh, – that's that's what I've seen through my career of being there. Uh, they want a smart, physical, tough football player, um, and if 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 you don't have that, um, you're probably not going to be there. Um, you know, so I've been fortunate enough to have a bunch of teammates that all my I mean a lot pretty much all the teammates I've had have been pretty good guys. You know, you got these young kids out here that have to learn, but you know, as, as I was young. You know, you learn from the guys above you. You know, I learned from the Kevin Falks. I learned from the Toms, uh, the Wesses, uh, you know, the guys that worked hard, that were there, that were playing at a high level for that consistently. So, you know, if you don't, they usually get rid of you. And that's just how it is there. In our remaining time, I want to get to the Super Bowl. So I, I, I wonder in the, in the time leading up, to the game what 
gave you the thought that, or if you even had the thought, because I thought this was going to be a lot of points. I thought it was going to be a real high-scoring game. But afterwards, a lot of the guys in your locker room thought that it was going to be an absolute dogfight where nothing was going to be easy because of how good their defensive line was. They had a good secondary and everything like that. What kind of game were you expecting coming in? Honestly, you're, you're expecting a dogfight with a team like that in a Super Bowl. I mean, if you look back at the last five years, our, single, our season has literally come down to the last play of the game. So in that game, you know, with, with Philly on the deep one and Malcolm Butler, you know, the drive in Atlanta, you know, the year before when we lost in the AFC Championship on the two-point conversion to Denver, you know, the field goal from Balt. I mean, all these games are are literally coming down to the last wire because these te- teams are too fine-tuned by this point. So if you're not mentally ready to go into a dogfight, you're already lost. And we knew it was going to be a dogfight with this young, explosive team. These guys are hungry guys. I mean, they're talented. They had good coaching staff. I mean, you could – they were an all-star team. Let's 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 be serious. I mean, look at that D front. Look at that secondary. Those are all really high-caliber players. With a coach, Dwayne, or, uh, Wade, who's been in this situation, who's won in this situation, Coach McVay. I mean, he could lean on those guys. He's a, he's a brilliant mind on offense. I mean, we 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 went into this thing knowing it was going to go 60 minutes. And if you prepare yourself mentally for that, you know, it gives you your best opportunity to go out and win those kind of games. In this game. You know, as I look at your catches in this game, so eight of them were converted into first downs. And a couple of them were so close. You know, your first catch of the game, it was a third and nine, and you just barely get beyond the sticks. You get, you, you get it for 11. Next one, second and six, you get seven. It seemed like a lot of these plays were designed to get you near the sticks and for you to make the last two or three yards. I mean, did you have that feeling that you were going to be involved in a bunch of really close calls? Uh, no, I, I didn't no, necessarily know I had that that was going to happen. I think a lot of it is uh, adjusting to uh, route, like coverage, and knowing, you know, what they're doing, what we're doing, where we have to go situationally. Um, a lot of things just so happen, just happen that way. Um, but if, if you know where the sticks are on a second down and, you know, you know you can get, and it's second and six, you can get seven, but it may, you know, have a little risk in there. Did Josh McDaniels before this game – talk to you about hey you might have more opportunities this game or and what is your communication like with your play caller Josh McDaniels yeah I mean he we have those conversations uh periodically through the season depending on the looks we're gonna get and what defenses run like hey buddy you're you're gonna you know we're gonna we're gonna need you to do well on this um you know this is our target this is what we need to do um so this game he you know, I, he said, I, he did say, you, you know, you're going to have to perform well for us to win. And, you know, that's that's my job on this team, just like it is for, you know, David Andrews. He's going to have to perform uh, for us to win. Like, we all have to do our job. And, um, you know, if the play is designed to go to me uh, on a third down, um, we're expecting execution. And, and, you know, we were able to to get a couple of those with the looks that they were giving us early in the game. You – made a lot of plays through three and a half quarters but yet in the first 10 series of this game you guys scored three points and it's three to three there's like 11 or 12 minutes left to go and this is what I heard that Josh McDaniels gathers you guys on the sidelines and basically says guys you know we, we we're gonna change. We're gonna we're gonna go heavy now. Dwayne Allen and and we're gonna go with two big backs and everything. And you're gonna be the only, basically the only receiver 
on the field. Yeah. You know, in a 3-3 game, 10 minutes to go, the Super Bowl on the line. Tell me what that was like on the sidelines at that moment. What do you remember about what McDaniel said, and what was the attitude right then? Well, the whole game, I mean, football is a chess match, and um, you know they, they were playing smaller personnel groups. Um, and by that time, the game was what the game was. They were doing what they were doing, and we were doing what we were doing. And, you know, the game comes to having um, – adjustments and with with that smaller personnel group and with how our defense was playing we said hey we need to be able to run the ball with big group in there and if we spread them out and and we could trick them and potentially you know whatever do get a different look and so uh you know that that's kind of the, the what he said we put in a couple plays that we hadn't put practice in a while uh, because going into the game we were like we don't want to do that you had not played this personnel group in a long time, right? We didn't go in thinking we were going to play this group. Yeah. Um, and you hadn't practiced it. We, we've walked through. We walked through everything. Okay. I mean, we're, we're pretty thorough with our preparation. I mean, there's things that you have a focus on, and there's things that you have in the bank just in case. And I would say that was probably a bank call. Where, you know, were you surprised when he said you were going to do it? No. No, did no. you like it? I did. I did. Um, you know, because you could to get maybe get you guys on linebackers a little more versus on Nikhil Roby Coleman or, or or you know the secondary guys. I think honestly, it's it's about going out and, and being able to run the ball. Yeah. Because if we were able to do that, it opens up everything, and it's also you know mentally a battle for when you when you're running a ball down a team's throat. Um, Which you did on the second series, but on the first series, you went throw, 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 throw. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, the set first series of the game? No, no. Oh, the yeah, first the, series the, after yeah, 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 that, yeah. you know, with 10 minutes to go in the game, you went four passes down the field for 67 yards. Well, yeah, but at that point, we knew that we, we were going to need some points. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that's when we changed it up and, and changed up the personnel group to see what looks they would give us. And um, we were able to go down there and, and make the adjustments and, and change it up a little uh, because, you know, that's a good defense. They were doing good. Yeah. And, um, you know, th- those, those guys up front, they're beasts. And our guys did a good job, and, and we made plays when we had to. Um, but uh, yeah, we definitely had to make some adjustments. Two last things. It's all about the team with the Patriots and anytime anybody talks about individual anything, it's almost like that's a disease inside the Patriots. But I wonder, as you sit here right now, knowing that you were the most valuable player in a game that sort of solidified the Patriots as being either the or one of the two or three best teams in NFL history, what does that mean to you? Um, yeah, I, honestly, I, I haven't really thought about that in that kind of context. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's an honor to get to play for the Patriots and, you know, play for Mr. Kraft, play under coach Belichick and get to play with Tom Brady and, and all the other unbelievable players that we have on this team. Um, so yeah, like I keep on saying, I'll, down the road when I'm having a beer in Tahiti, when I'm 44 and my daughter's running around on the beach, like that's when I could probably sit back and think about that. But uh, we still got meat on the bone. So you, know, there's you no... said it right after the game. Yeah. You you want another one? You want number seven? You're you're kind of a greedy guy. I'm not greedy, but I mean, you go out to make good you know good podcasts and, and good good articles, and you want to always make them better, don't you? I'm trying to do the same thing. It's just competition, and it's just life, and it's something I love doing. And, um, you know, I'm ready to, you know, I want to get started. I want to get started. Last thing I would ask you, what what do you think is the moral of your story? You know, if, if if you were to tell a kid who is a young Julian Edelman who's not big enough, he's not strong enough, the Division One schools don't want him, and yet you have done what you've done now. What, what do you tell kids about what is important, both in life and in sports? 
you know, I, I say something all the time that I, I, I tell people. I mean, tough times don't last. Tough people do. And you always got to believe in yourself. And, and if you can ignore noise and, and genuinely find out what you have to work on and work hard, because working hard at something, just working hard is not going to do it. You need to find out through a coach, through self-scout, through anything in your life that you want to be good at. You need to find out someone who's either been there, done that, or someone that can help you to learn that and work hard at those things, specifically at tasks and skills that you need. Uh, that'll give you your best shot to, to succeed. And, and, and ultimately, you got to believe in yourself. I mean, of course, it's, it's human nature to always have some sort of doubt, to hear some kind of naysayer, this, that. Um, but if you genuinely try to block those things out and, 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 and work extremely hard under conditions where people are doing other things and, and, and sac you're sacrificing you know, time, if you really want to be good at something that you have a talent at and you work hard, I mean... There's no, there's no reason why you can't, um, you know, because I'm living proof. Julian Edelman. Oh, by the way, I thought it was very cool. The morning after the game, you did your press conference, and you said something to Mike Reese. You said, first Jewish MVP of the Super Bowl, <laughs> which is really kind of a cool. And then I thought, you know, Adam Levine of Maroon 5, he's Jewish. He does the halftime show. Robert Kraft, the owner. Jewish and now you. I mean, it's a big year in the NFL for the the Jewish. Hey, it, you're 18. This is this is 2018, which is a huge number in you know in the Jewish community because it ultimately means lachaim. Julian Edelman, thanks so much for taking the time. This is a lot of fun, and uh, you know it's been uh, been fun to watch you over the years because you uh, you won't be denied. It's kind of cool. You know, it's, it's, it's been a heck of a few years. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm truly fortunate and blessed to get to do what I love um, with, with a group of fellas and a, and a franchise um, that goes out and does everything they can to win. Um, I don't know how it is in other places, but I'm, I, I feel like it's an honor to get to play here. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to... Uh, you know, the next year and, 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 you know, obviously sitting here and enjoying this, get to spend time with family and friends. Uh, but, uh, you know, ultimately I can't wait to, to jump back on the horse. Hey, thanks so much. No problem, Pete. Thanks to my guest, Julian Edelman, Super Bowl 53 Most Valuable Player. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes in my podcast series, such as my conversations with... Adam Schefter, Roger Goodell, and John Elway. You can find these on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. You can also hear the Peter King Podcast on Sirius XM Radio every Saturday morning at 7 Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And thanks, of course, to my sponsors, Sonos and Wix. Please support them the way they support this podcast. And I'll see you next week.